0: On this episode of the Takin' a Walk podcast series, I'm your host, Buzz Knight, and we're in Chicago, Illinois, for a special road trip edition of Takin' a Walk. I'm here near the famous Lakeshore Drive area to meet with an inspirational figure. Rashad Tabakawala is our guest. I consider him a business and personal growth Buddha for the times. He's the author of Restoring the Soul of Business, Staying Human in the Mm -hmm. Age of Data, he also has a very popular blog that we look forward to every Sunday that comes out. It's called, The Future Does Not Fit in the Containers of the Past. I highly recommend you subscribe to that. And I can't wait to take a walk with Rashad. Taking a walk with Buzz Knight. Well, hi, Rashad. It's so nice to uh, see you again and to be in the fine city of Chicago, Illinois, taking a walk with you.
1: Absolutely, and here we are, walking along the beach, Ohio Street Beach along Lake Shore Drive.
0: So, describe this, uh, this lovely scene
1: here. So, we are in downtown Chicago, and for those of you who have been to Chicago, Chicago is defined by, one way to think about it is its flatness. But the other way is it's very tall buildings, it's river, and most importantly, it's lake, which is Lake Michigan. And because Lake Michigan is so large, you have waves, as we can see, and you have beaches. Uh, And basically, we are looking at a beach, which is Ohio Street Beach. Um, There are a few boats, one with a um, little rowboat, I guess a lifeguard and a few other boats because it's a working day. So, and we're hearing the hum of cars uh, on Lakeshore Drive. And uh, that's where we are. And it's right across Navy Pier for those
0: of you who know Chicago better. And we see the Ferris wheel. So, I have to thank you for uh, some of the inspiration of the creation of the Take A Web podcast series. I was here in Chicago in August when I got to see you and have an adult beverage. And um, we talked about a number of things, and one of the things that you sent me on a homework assignment, and it was a homework assignment specifically around uh, a number of questions, I believe uh, nine of them. Yes. Right. And uh, why don't you tell folks about the nine questions and then I can sort of loop it back to how it motivated me. Absolutely. So one of the key things that
1: we discussed and which I have written about is that every one of us over time does a couple of things. One is we evolve and we grow and we have career transitions. Uh, But eventually we want to come up with nine words that describe who we are and three words that describe our niche which is what are we good at, three words that describe our voice which is who we are, and three words that describe our story which is why should someone believe that. And those nine words can be used as a framing device so as we are going around trying to decide what we want to do how we sell ourselves. That's one way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. And the other way is as a filtering device, which is how do we spend our time and what makes us happy if these are the nine words that we happen to be defining down to. And you know, I did those nine words and I've been doing those nine words and my nine words have now sort of been, uh, not changing for a while, but three of them which are my niche are future change and innovation that that's what I'm good at. But then who am I? And there you ask people and ask them to come up with words that describe who you are. More importantly, what your voice is. And so mine apparently is authentic, inspirational and provocative. And then what's your story? Which is why should we believe you? And mine is a global story. I grew up in one country, work in another for really the headquarters in a third. I used to travel a lot, uh, so it's global. I'm a mongrel in the fact that I've done creative and media, digital and analog, staff and operating roles, so I'm not a pure breed. And I'm a reinventor, or it looks like I either lose my job every three years or do a new gig. I've stayed in the same company for 37, but it looks like I do a new gig every three, four years after the first eight, ten. So that's reinventing. So my nine words are future, change, innovation. My voice is authentic, provocative, inspirational. And my story is reinventing and global and uh, mongrel. And with those nine words, you can do a lot. Now, in my particular case, I've actually come down to one word. So among each of the first three, I use future, the next three I use provocative, and the last three I use reinventing. So my stuff is future change innovation, future describes that best. Authentic, provocative, inspirational, probably I question the status quo, so it's provocative. And of the other three, it's reinventing. And if I were to come up with one word, which you don't have to, it would be reinventing. Because reinventing is about the future, it's about challenging the status quo, and it's about change. So that's what I suggested you do to the nine word exercise. And I always suggest to anybody as they are figuring out what next to do or what to do better.
0: Well, I don't know if I did it as precisely as you, first of all. And I don't know if I did it with as much certainty as you because it shifts and changes. Yes, yes. But what led me to the Take It A World podcast was the fact of certainly where I thought my voice was it was around content and creation because that's where I came out of. And that's what we discussed over our beers. That's right. Yep. So as I was walking 15 miles that particular day, 30,000 plus steps in in Chicago, I just started thinking um, around storytelling, around that voice. A love that I've always had has been interviewing people uh, throughout my career. And I actually... I don't know if I had told you this on our our visit, but I read this book called Decoding Greatness, which was about reverse engineering ideas. So there I am, strolling the streets of uh, Chicago, thinking, um, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee is not just about cars and coffee. It's about this amazing host in Jerry Seinfeld um, having conversation with people. So I love conversation. I, I love the genuineness of it, whether it's new friends or whether it's old friends, and that's what led me down this path. So thank you for pushing me into this this journey. Well, I'm
1: glad. You look very happy doing it, and it clearly is one of your key you know traits,
0: and the good news is I get to be a guest, so that's even greater. Oh, it's terrific. So thank you. So since we last uh, met, Um, What's going on as far as you can see in the media landscape? What is happening around media? So
1: I think there are three very big shifts going on in the media landscape, which are building on shifts that occurred before. So one is clearly uh, almost all media is increasingly becoming digital and streaming. You saw that. It doesn't mean it's the majority. The majority of radio still is not streaming but there's a more and more streaming component to it. And, you know, that could be everything from each of the radio stations have a streaming component. You have Spotify, you have YouTube music, you've got Tidal, etc. cetera. Uh, the same thing happens with, you know, if you think about it, yes, Netflix stock fell, but one of the reasons it fell is because there are now 10 or 15 options you have besides Netflix. And, You know, you can decide, I'll do Netflix this month for Stranger Things and next month I'll do Disney Plus for Obi-Wan Kenobi even though they both occurred this month so you have to give up maybe something else Uh, and so streaming. The second one which I think uh, people are not appreciating as much is that the person who is their content creator is changing so, you obviously were in the content side of the radio business, so you have acumen in content, but because you were working in a radio place, you actually had an ability to distribute. But if you were not, you could be a content creator, but nobody would hear you or listen to you or read you because there was no way. The closest anyone got to sharing their viewpoint was writing letters to the editor. Right or calling into a radio show, uh, there wasn't any other way. That obviously changed with the web, and definitely when social and mobile took off. And now, I remind people that the the you know the Kardashian sisters of Instagram and Mr. Beast of YouTube and the Emilio sisters or the sisters of TikTok reach more people in a day or two than the people who watch the Super Bowl. So the question really comes up to be, who is a content creator, right? Now, I used to write presentations and I used to write perspectives inside my company. But over the last two years, I've been writing it on Substack. And, you know, I'm a small content creator, but it's read by about 25,000 people, including you, who are a big fan. So I've become a little content company. So that's the second big shift. One is everything's going streaming, so it's much more on demand and time shifted. The other is, everybody can be a content creator. Obviously, some of them are not so good, but everybody has somebody. And the third one, which people are not anticipating as much, and it's got to do something with both digital technology and content creation, is what the impact of what I call the future of the Internet, which is Web3. So a lot of people today are confusing Web3 and saying, okay, it's about cryptocurrencies or NFTs. That's part of it. But the underlying philosophy of Web3 is to try to give more control and power and monetization opportunities to the people who consume the content and people who create the content, and a little bit less to the people who enable that. So the enablers are today called aggregators. You know, it could be Spotify, it could be uh, Apple, you know, iTunes Store or, you know, the Apple App Store. So, the Apple App Store takes 30 cents of every dollar. So, so it could be me creating the content, the people have come to listen to me, but 30 cents goes to Apple. Because of old recording rules, it's not just Spotify's fault, but because of old recording and other rules, it basically, a dollar that goes to Spotify, if you happen to be a musician, if you've only performed the song, you get six cents. If you own the song, which is you wrote the song and you perform the song, you get 12 cents. So 88 cents goes to other people. So the new world, and people can see it if you don't believe it, if you go to a place called royal.io or Autograph.io, so Royal.io is where the musicians hang out. Autograph.io is where the sports people hang out. Is there uh, someone like Lil Nas will give you the rights, will sell you some component of the rights to his songs. So you'll share in his royalties. Teeny-weeny-weeny bit, you pay him a little bit and you own a percentage of his future, that song. Future royalties. What's great about that is, as you now are a partial owner of the song, you're a fan of Little Nas, and he invites you, depending on how much you buy, two concerts to meet with him, etc. But as you basically say, this is a great song, and you're a big fan. The more successful he gets, the more successful you get, and there's almost nobody in the mi- in the middle. And that is revolutionary because it's about a decentralized own, much more ownership, so much more decentralized, much more open, and much more composable and controlled by the content creator. That world, right, plus new content creators, plus streaming, is gonna change media. And we're only at the beginning of this. We're only at the beginning. (laughs) Like really, the infant stages. (laughs) Yes, you'll see the real impact in three years. But it will be amazing, I mean, the reality of it is, why do the middle people, like let's even look at something like a Facebook. You take to Facebook your identity, your data, your content, your friends, your time. <coughs> what do you get? You get You get to see what your other friends are doing and you get likes. And Mark Zuckerberg keeps buying islands in Hawaii. What's that all about? <laughs> <laughs> right. That revolution is coming, and the young generation says, no more. And that's what I'm now going to boards and saying, you're about to see a revolution, and this is not in content, which is, if it's my network, I can reach people, I can use token economics, I can do different things. Why does the man or the woman take so much?
0: So how are the boards responding? How, how, when you speak to them about this, I realize I'm generalizing because not everybody buys it. And so in, so, in general,
1: how are they responding? So when I speak with them, they respond with great positivity because of two reasons. One is I explain what's going on, and I suggest that they learn about it themselves. I don't tell them things like you are dead and you know you don't get it or there's a revolution. My basic belief is this new form also provides a lot of opportunities to companies and to senior executives. If you reimagine your business, nobody basically says you are forced to have your current business and you can transition your business. So because I explained how Web3 is different than NFTs, which is different than which is different than metaverse how to learn about it and what the financial upside is if they learn about it and what the creative upside is if they learn about it and of course what some of the challenges are if they don't learn about it makes them want to learn about it
0: but you said something important that you don't put them on their heels in no, no, terms no, 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 of no. a defensive posture I, you, you lay the facts out I,
1: I go to them as a business person talking to a business person and because I was fortunate to be right in 1993 and in 2007 where I helped many of these companies first get on the web, understand mobile so when I show up again I say it's that same things happening again start paying attention start understanding the impact and that which is speaking with two senior people in three voices So, one voice is a voice of business and reason the second voice is a voice of education and the third voice is a voice of provocation but it's not just a provocative voice the provocation is something big is changing which could help you or hurt you. It's not, right, I'm not sure exactly, but these are some of the things you want to think about and here's how you can learn about it. And by the way, that's the education part. There's upside to your business if you think about your business like this. So then they're saying, oh good, I should think about this because this could be a threat, but wait, it could also be an opportunity if I learn about it. And so I've done it for seven boards already. Boards of directors. These are not like just these are. The, so it's the CEO's external board, and and they say no one speaks to us like this, right? And I say, look, I'm not the expert. I'm showing you where the experts are, but these are the kinds of things you want to think about. And I have at this current time a bunch of experts training me. So like this afternoon, I'm going to have another expert. So I have. Five different world-class people doing like one hour a week or one hour every two weeks, training me, and then I go learn on my own. But they say I ask them like, "What should I, what should I use? What should I leverage? What should I buy? What should I understand? What should I look?" At? And and some of it is too hard for me, and I say, "Too hard." Sometimes it's you know it's a little bit easy. Uh, But what
0: are they training you on, various elements of media?
1: Yeah, so it's it's basically everything from how does a distributed autonomous organization work uh, to someone else, basically. Like, I've figured out how to make my own NFTs and all that. That's, That's done. But, you know, what's the underlying business model behind some of these tokens? Not just bitcoin and others but the newer ones like algo brand or um you know cardano etc how do they work why do they work what's the business why is it not just a ponzi scheme right what's the what industries will be affected by what what should i be looking for who should i be following right what conference should i go to what should i watch on youtube so they're like curators they they tell me Look here. Watch this. Read this. Go there. Play with this. So that's the way you are. Yes. 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 But what happens is I do that in stuff I know. But I what I keep reminding people is there are people who know more than I do, right? In this space. Sure. And they want to talk to me. So you might say, okay, like, and I don't pay them, right? So someone will say, okay, why are these people talking to you? The reason is because they know that I believe in what they are thinking about. So think of them as revolutionaries. And I believe in the revolution. But then I know how to ask questions and sell the revolution to the kings and queens. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And ideally, you should be able to go to the future without any bloodshed. So my whole stuff is, show me how this works. I can then translate it into English for these folks. At the same time, I can translate from what you might hear from these folks as resistance as actually business and human questions, which you need to answer, right? Or not answer, but be aware of, because if you really want this to scale, it's better to get people as your friends or neutral than just go and piss people off.
0: (laughs) Well, but at its core too. You talk often in your book, restoring the solar business, and in your your Substack blog um, about the importance of learning. Yes. Yes. And, and how that should be the continual diet in your life. It, it is. It is. And it's more
1: important. It's always been important. And you know, I have this like the presentation that I give, and I normally never give presentations, and. I just talk, but because this space is a little bit complex, I have to show a few things, like some, a few visuals to show how things are interconnected, because it's hard to say, okay, now imagine a box, and this is, so I have to like draw the box and show the thing. So I wrote a presentation, which is for me very odd, because I don't do presentations, and it's a longer one, because I try to keep my slides to nine slides or less, I've written about that. And this one is 18 slides, okay? But it takes me 18 slides to explain the new space, including a deep dive into things like metaverses and web WebRio and tokens, but it takes me 18 slides. Uh, not with too many words, but it takes me 18. But the last slide is a quote, not a quote. It's a, uh, I, I, I point to, Uh, the words written on the tombstone of Arthur C. Clarke. So Arthur C. Clarke wrote 2001: Space Odyssey, and he uh, is buried in Sri Lanka, which is the old salon south of India, an island country. Uh, And on his tombstone are the following words. That's how my presentation ends, right? He never grew up, but he never stopped growing. And I remind these senior people, the reason you all have this role is you all are constantly having to navigate the future. But the future doesn't fit in the containers of the past, and it changes. So if you don't upgrade your own learning, you will be a container of the past, okay? Therefore, keep learning, because the day you stop learning is the day you stop start dying. And that, you know, that is, uh, what gets people excited, and because by the me showing how I do it and how they can do it, it's like, oh, this is cool. And you know, learning is like a drug once you start it, you get addicted to it, it's sort of like exercise or a few other things. But you, but once you do it, you're much more less resistance to change because you're learning about it and so you can decide to resist it because you know about it and you think it doesn't make sense. Like a lot of what I will share with people, at some stage they'll say somehow it doesn't make sense. And I said okay you heard me, it doesn't make sense, tell me why it doesn't make sense. And they tell me and sometimes it doesn't make sense after they've listened to me. But if they just said it doesn't make sense I'd say like you don't get it or this without even talking to me they said you don't make any sense I said like what's this so <laughs> that's what it is
0: our leaders of today and companies understanding the importance of the way they shape their culture in these times they, they do and they
1: realize it's important but they are struggling everyone is struggling and there are four you know the last problem they had, or the problem we all had, is a fourth problem and it, assess- it sort of acerbated the first three. So the, the last problem was COVID-19, but the first three was globalization, demographic shifts, and in the internet. Not problems, but massive changes. So globalization already meant that if you were a leader, your workforce was everywhere in the world. So, you know, when people say, oh, I've got distributed remote, I don't like the words, but okay, unbundled. There are more employees of IBM, Accenture, and I can name a lot of other companies that are supposed to be based in wherever, Armand or Chicago. There are more of their employees in India than there in the United States. So this whole idea where they basically say everybody's got to be together. I said 80% of your people are nowhere near your headquarters or anywhere in this country. Let's start with that. And then time zones apart. So let's forget all this, it's already happened. Then you have the demographic issues, which is A in the US the country is getting older. So how do you deal with people like ourselves who are older? Or as I call ourselves, season.
0: I like that one better. Right. <laughs>
1: But on the other stage, how do you deal with the demographics that people under 18 in the U.S. are already multi-ethnic, right? And then also, how do you deal with the fact that certain things like purpose and values are not things that have been hoisted upon as something alien. Purpose and values have always been important, but there's a group of people under 35 for whom this is even more important than maybe for people who are of a different age so if you're a management person you're basically saying okay i have these young people who want to learn quickly and move quickly and they don't want to pay their dues they don't look like me they don't talk like me their values are different than me then i've got these seasoned people right who i can't afford to lose because the population of the u.s is declining and if i lose all my senior people and these people don't want to come to work what do i do And At the same stage, I have to be careful about DEI and a whole bunch of other things. So, and those are the issues. And my whole stuff is culture is all of that. Culture isn't just getting people in an office. (laughs) So that's what they're struggling with.
0: How can companies uh, make their organizations more future-proof?
1: So, the way to basically make an organization future-proof is it's a three three key things. The first one is to strongly encourage, incentivize, and uh, sort of enable people to grow. So, what do I mean by that? Uh, most companies have cut back on training. How are people going to learn without any training? So you're asking people to do something different but you aren't training them. The other is you want to incentivize them. So if you want something to do something different, you've got to promote people, you got to pay people who try the new things. But if you basically promote the people and pay the people who are doing what the cash cow does, why would anybody do that? So the one is, look at your incentive programs, look at your trade programs, and also look at your communication programs to get people to change which obviously it leads from the top which is you should do that yourself as a leader so that's one the second is do not define your category by your existing competitors so every category's real opportunities and threats but their opportunities come from outside it the automobile industry the opportunity and threat comes from an Uber and a Tesla that were not part of the automobile industry. But if you look at the future of the automobile industry, it's some combination of electric cars, some more, may not be fully automated driving, but more automated driving than today, and potentially people not having cars, right? The future of, and the biggest value in the hotel business comes from companies like Airbnb and Booking.com and maybe less than from Hilton or Marriott. Now they have all understood this and they're figuring out how to work at it but if they should have done it earlier, right? So I said the future comes from the slime in the heaven. So one is training communication. The second is do not define your category with the way you currently have it. And the third one, which is extremely important, is to do what I just mentioned, which is you yourself as management, if you're management, or any individual, I basically say to management, spend 30% of your time on future projects. I'm not saying spend 30% of your budget on future projects. You can spend 90% of your budget in today's projects and maybe 5 or 10 in future projects, but 30% of your time and 30% of your best talent should be for tomorrow. And people are confused. I said, if tomorrow is very important, you don't want to give. You know, you wouldn't hand your kids to a troubled child. But you have a troubled executive who's not doing so well. You say, okay, we don't know what to do with this person. Give them on a future project. How stupid is that, right? And you want to signal, I'm putting my best people, I'm putting my own time in the future, even though I'm putting most of my budget today to make sure I have a future and I generate the income. So that's the third one, which is, I want to know how you spend your time and how you put most of your talent. I don't want to necessarily see how you spend your budget.
0: So last question, Rashad. Sure. It's a year from now. Hopefully we're taking a walk here once again, revisiting
1: it's absolutely roughly. True. And hopefully in summer. If you're in winter, we'll have a crackling sound of frozen. We'd have,
0: we'd have a little bit of an issue. Uh, yeah. But, so it's a year from now. What do you personally want to have learned in the next year? that you're setting your sights on that we'd be talking about a year from now?
1: So the two areas that I am actually spending a lot of time on for two different reasons is the following two. One is, what does the future of the internet look like? Which is why I'm spending a lot of time on this broad Web3 metaverse. Because I think there's something dramatic happening there so i will be more sophisticated about it hopefully a year from now that's one so that's on marketing technology the other one which you see in my writing is what is the future of work workplaces and workers look like i don't think it's going to look like in 2029 what it looked like in 2019 it'll be more different than 2019 than 2019 was from 2009 or 2000 dramatically and i'm trying to understand what does that mean and where does that go and what the implications are because work is central to everything from gdp to the way cities function to identity so when you basically say work workers and workspaces are changing and all three are changing at the same time driven by technology covid19 changing demographics the ability, you know, and these will intersect when Web3 allows a content creator to be their own boss. When it allows seven, eight years, you and me to have this conversation almost real in a metaverse thing. Not today's technology doesn't allow it, right? What happens when the next Athens or Silicon Valley or Bangalore is not a place but in the cloud? So what, so the future of work workers and workspaces is one and the future of the internet is the other
0: well you make me excited about the future not uh, afraid of the future right even though sometimes i think we need to be slightly fearful
1: uh, we have to be apprehensive we have to be skeptical all of which i am right but like literally my future of internet presentation starts with this i my says i have a disclaimer i said you are going to hear from somebody who is going to take a positive take on the future, a positive take on Web3, and a positive take on the, on everything. However, and then I list, you are amazingly smart people, and I list where they can, people can go who disagree with me. I mean, they don't know who I am, but they, their viewpoint is different than mine. And I said, these are famous, very well-known people. So you're Scott Galloway on Web3. Here is Dan Olson's two-hour video. Here is the NFT sucks group on Reddit. Here is, right? So I said, there is that. I spend time with them. I, I don't spend time with them. I listen to them, I hear them, I figure it all out. But I have a different take, and here's why, right? And that also, by the way, encourages people to listen to me because my little stuff is, yes, they're right in certain ways, but they aren't seeing the whole picture and what they are fighting about is like the equivalent of, you know, someone comes into, you know, let's say you, you've come to my apartment and it's a pretty nice apartment, but then you basically see that somewhere in the corner, okay, there's like a mess, okay? <laughs> not the turd in not, the Not ball. a turd, but there's some sort of mess, yeah. okay? And you basically say, Rishad lives terribly, look at that mess <laughs> in the corner. Everything else is pristine, and the mess might basically be my kids were here, or just before you entered, you know, I threw something on the corner. And then you say, that is the future of Rishad's living conditions. And and my old stuff is, that's true, there's a corner in the mess, we figured out why, but how's that the living conditions? That's what a lot of these people do, they take a price of some crypto, right they take somebody fighting with each other and they conflate it into the future of the internet that's why i don't call it web 3 i said the future of the internet i said for people who don't believe that the internet changed in 1993 and 2007 it came around and it created massive new things like mobile and social and search and e-commerce and bright this is the same thing so you can decide that this is about a crypto crash or you can decide this is about increased broadband penetration and ai and biotech which is what i think it is so I said, "You decide." And by the way, you think that the whole world is going to hand in hand basket, and there is no progress in technology. Fine, but that's your right. I'm not yet I, I. don't know how to live when someone basically says everything's going backward.
0: Thank you for your You're passion, welcome. for your generosity, Absolutely. for your inspiration. It's so great to see you again. Perfect. Shah. Thank you. Taking a Walk with Buzz Night is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say.